Welcome back to another edition of the Educational AD Podcast. We couldn't do these without the incredible support of our sponsors, and we want to take a moment to say thank you to all of them. First, thanks to our diamond sponsor, Varsity Brands, including BSN, Varsity Spirit, and Herf Jones. Varsity Brands, elevating student experiences in sport, spirit, and achievement. We also want to thank our platinum sponsors, including Gilman Gear, always a step ahead. Camp Mobile, where leaders communicate better. Hometown ticketing, simple and easy online ticketing. Vital signs, bring student achievements to life. Gipper, sports graphics made incredibly simple. And Ephesus Lighting innovating a brighter future at every level. Thanks to all of our great sponsors. Welcome back everyone to another episode of the Educational AD Podcast. Uh, our guest today is a true national leader, Jay Hammes. Uh, he's a CMAA and I'm gonna tell you a little bit about him myself, but uh, Jay, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Jake, thanks for having me. Oh, absolutely, uh, I've been wanting to have you on for a while. Uh, for our listeners, uh, Jay's been involved in athletics his entire life as a player, as a coach, uh, a teacher, and as an AD, both at the high school and at the college level. Uh, he's been an athletic director of the year for the state of Wisconsin, and he's also been inducted into their athletic director's Hall of Fame. Um, he is a nationally known speaker, and he is the uh, president of the Safe Sport Zone uh, program that's available to schools. He's uh, currently very active with our national organization and he's the author, the chair, and also the lead instructor of two LTI courses, Contest Management and Emergency Management. If you haven't taken those courses, I strongly encourage you to do so. He's uh, been published in uh, USA Today, uh, he's also a proud graduate of uh, Wisconsin Oshkosh and has a, uh, a bachelor's and a master's degree. Uh, he's retired from uh, public service, but he's still very active. And uh, he's going to tell us his story and also uh, share some best practices. So uh, once again, you know, Jay Hammes, welcome to the program. Thank you, Jake. I was uh, born and raised on the south side of Racine, which is located between Milwaukee and Chicago, and on the uh, blue-collar side of Racine, in a large family. Jake, it wasn't until I got married that I ever sleep alone. <laughs> it was a huge family, and my mom and dad, when courting in the 40s, she wanted a large family and a large home, and we had this uh, five-bedroom home, which at that time was a pretty big-sized house, middle-class family. And uh, also, she wanted a double lot so she could have a badminton court. Now, back in the 40s, badminton was like pickleball today. It was very popular. So she kind of envisioned if she's going to have all these kids, if she had the badminton court, everybody would be over in the neighborhood and she could watch her kids. Well, as soon as that thing was laid in 1953, I was three years old. And uh, my brother, John, renamed it basketball court. So we grew up in a very diverse culture 
on the south side of Racine, we played basketball from the middle, especially in the summer, from 10 o'clock till, till dusk. And we had some great basketball games out there. I mean, Jim Jones, who ended up playing in the NBA. And, I mean, unbelievable. But you can imagine playing three-on-three -three basketball on a badminton-sized court. So I was able to learn a lot of uh, unique things that helped me in my uh, profession. Um, I think of gangs today, and I, I, I wish we could discuss this more often because those that, I mean, I had guys that I played in high school with that are gang members. They're now grandfathers. And gang, majority of the gang people are wonderful people doing bad things for drug money. It's, a, it's, a, it's no different than the mob or the organized crime. And so if we ever had gang issues, I would have built relationships with uh, key members uh, of organized crime uh, gangs and uh, got through a lot of, we never had those issues in our school, in our school district because of the relationships built. But I ended up going to college on a football scholarship. And I'll tell you, I had some interesting times uh, at UWM before they dropped football and, uh, and ended up in teaching, coaching, and, and, and then, of course, athletic administration. Did a couple of years in the college scene. But you know what happened at the end? Uh, I, I had to give it up because of Safe Sports Zone. And Safe Sports Zone started with an experience that I went through in my lifetime. I left a basketball game in our community and uh, I walked outside and bam, 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 gunfire. And the gunfire was in my direction and the bullets were whizzing past my right ear, hitting the mortar and the metal behind me. It was close, kind of changed my life. I used to go to church, sit in the back. Now I sit in the front, if you know what I mean. So through that experience, we gathered our team. And then following Monday, I went out and took two of the most popular and most respected teachers in our building out for lunch. I said, look, I need a team. I tell you, I almost lost my life Friday night. And uh, we ended up recruiting a, a, the best of the best in our school. And it took years to trial and error. I mean, we didn't have assessments. We didn't have any plans back then. Uh, we just did it on the come, and eventually, over two years, we built this program. And fellow colleagues of mine, you know, come into the games, they'd say, "Jay, you ought to share this stuff because you pretty, feel pretty safe when we come to your games. Uh, everybody's working; they're not watching. <laughs> That's a problem in the country." And so we say, you know, Safe Sports Zone was really uh, started back then, and of course, uh, we built the program from it. And eventually, it got so busy, I had to retire and, uh, when I was 63. So I've been on the road at, you know, training schools uh, up until March 13th, doing about 70,000 miles a year and enjoy every moment of it. Um, but things have changed now. And, you know, what we're finding is everybody needs COVID training. And so we're, we're doing a COVID training right now uh, virtually. And um, geez, great news today with the vaccination uh, the possibility is that's a big game changer and uh, we got to get back to normal. I mean, that's that vaccination is going to be the key depending on the time limit. It looks like just from the information I've been receiving because of the distribution, uh, people have to be trained. This is a two shot uh, dose. So 21 to 28 days apart, uh, you're going to get first the protein a spike, and then you're going to get the vaccination itself. And so there's going to, it's going to take some time to distribute this. And 
And who knows, you know, the first responders, I mean, first of all, it's gonna be the risk, the risky patients are gonna get it first, then the first responders, especially medical responders, then teachers are right around the corner. So educators are gonna be one of the first to get this vaccination and then the public. So one way, how can you predict when we're gonna be able to get back to normal? Uh, that's a tough question, but I would think that either by spring or next year at the holiday season, 2021, I think we should be able to have some sense of normalcy. Oh, absolutely. And it's uh, certainly been a challenge, you know, for, for every school administrator, for everyone, uh, you know, these past many months. Uh, I want to talk a little bit uh, about, you know, the, those first, uh, let's say, months or even those first couple of seasons where you had the idea, the epiphany of, you know, geez, we got to do something different here with regard to contest management. You already mentioned, you know, recruiting two of your best teachers, but kind of walk our listeners through you know, maybe the rest of that season or, you know, the next school year, um, um, you know, what are some steps that you took that, you know, are still part of the safe sport playbook or maybe something you did that, you know, you, you wouldn't recommend anymore? Well, great question, Jake. Uh, you can't do this by yourself. I mean, I, 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 that's number one. I, I remember uh, doing a training in Maryland and it was a reporter there and she came up after and there's we have five steps that we believe in and and the first step is to build your team eventually build some rules around that team but she said what were the, well, out of the five steps which one's the most important I said number one you can't do it but you cannot do any of the four steps without a team so it, building that team is like coaching I mean you want to find pretty good players in your building that can uh, play that individual sport so what we did, we built in some incentives. See, the, the amount of money you pay somebody to do these events, especially today with COVID, just doesn't seem to cut it across the country. You need to build a team that, well, we, for example, we would host a, a, an event security meeting. We'd have Dairy Queen ice cream cake. We would have you know, soda, refreshments. We did a $50 cash drawing at the end of the meeting. That was just standard for fun. Um, what we did, we, the information we provided, people were interested in. And we took pride in what we were doing. Everybody knew exactly what their role was. We had a diagram of all the venue facilities. We could walk through uh, scenarios. What if this happens or what if that happens? What are we gonna do? Who's gonna do this? Who's gonna do that? Everybody knew exactly. And we had law enforcement officers there. We had athletic trainers. I mean, we completed the over the years now, this took like two years before we were rocking and rolling. So we learned a lot today uh, with the, the, you know, with the trainings that you can uh, take as a school, you can probably up that time. But I would think that was the most important. Again, I mentioned the, the biggest problem in high school sports today is the misguided irate fan. You know, the, the uh, berating of the officials or berating of the coach who's not playing his or her child it's usually a parent not always but normally the parents seem to be the more of the problem and we have schools that literally get paid to go in and watch a game i mean they're really not they're there they're visible but they're not supervising and so we would think that, that the most important thing we implemented was active supervision in close proximity which means similar to a lunchroom if you were supervising a lunchroom uh 
one person couldn't supervise, you know, like 200 kids in the lunchroom. So you'd have to break it into sections. And we believe the same thing with games. If you've got a thousand people in the stands, one person can't supervise that. So you'd need to break those sections up maybe into four, maybe two, 250 per section. And then we would ask that person every few minutes to scan their section. Now that's not easy. I mean, when you're sitting there and you're watching this game, every few minutes, you got to turn around and scan that area. You know, you go to a collegiate or pro game, you get people that are hired to do this 100% of the time. Their backs to the game. They don't even get to see the game. They are scanning that area. And what are they scanning for? Frustration. Because frustration leads to anger. Anger leads to verbal altercations. Verbal altercations leads to physical altercations. We don't even want to go there. So we want to identify that problem early on. Then there's some steps that we believe in, you know, watch that person, uh, eventually do some nonverbals, you know, shake your head, you know, nonverbals, maybe position yourself. If they're up at the top of the seating area, go by, sit by them. Or if they're down low, stand by them. But position yourself can de-escalate the anger if they know you're watching, but eventually you got to address it if they continue to behave this way. And that that in itself, there's a right way of doing that and a wrong way. And so we believe in uh, all these procedures that were taught to our event staff really helped keep the game. I mean, we just didn't have any problems. And, you know, the State Association of Wisconsin would always sign the more volatile games to us because they knew we had a, a great program. We were moving forward. And so, you know, I, it was a matter of I have to get beyond our local school district and share this. And so I started reaching out, but people weren't hiring me, Jake. They just didn't know who I was or, you know, I, even though I had Jim Teff, you remember Jim Teff, mm -hmm. he was in our conference, passed away, but we have the Jim Teff Award Absolutely. today with the NIAAA. We had John Olson. I don't know if you remember John Olson. John was a mentor for me. Uh, and he encouraged me to move forward, get this stuff out. So we wrote a, I wrote an article uh, for high school today and John edited it and he edited it and he edited it and he edited it. I mean, John Olson was a true professional person. And eventually, uh, you know, when they got that article out there and I still wasn't accomplishing what I really wanted to do until I bought, I bought 4,150 grills. Yeah, I know you're going, what? <laughs> well, let me just show you what we did. We had a Johnsonville Bratz is in Sheboygan, Wisconsin. And Johnsonville Bratz were going to run this promotion. And it's, I don't know if you can see this, but this is a grill and, it, and, and you can actually cook on it. Oh yeah. And, and you could cook like four brats on it. It's for camping, tailgating, whatever. It was like $29 a grill they paid for. And a lady, this guy was the marketing director. He died of a heart attack. He was unbelievable. Young guy too. He died of a heart attack and the wife had all these grills, 5,000 grills. Well, she had given away like 900 of them. So we, I ended up, she just wanted to get them out of storage and so I bought them for a dollar a piece, but it's still $4,150. I mean, I'm an educator. We, you know, you know, we normally wouldn't spend money like that. And uh, got the grills delivered in for $500. We got this big hay metal barn in our property out here and across the street from Lake Michigan. And 
The grills uh, were 30 grills to a case. Can imagine that? 4,150 grills. And then I had to take this grill out of the canvas black bag and send the bag in, get them printed. That cost me a dollar. So now I got over $8,200 uh, invested in this. And the only way I could get the Safe Sport Zone name out there is once I got the bags back and I'd have to, I'd have the cheerleaders over here and the football team and I'd give them donations to help me take these you know, canvas bags and restuff the grills when they came back. Eventually I took those to state conferences and gave them a free grill. <laughs> Every, you know, educators are, they love those grills. And we got our name out there and I was able to speak. And once I was, cause I'm not a, I was never considered a professional speaker. I, I might have a little more passion than others, but basically I'm not an eloquent speaker, but you know, I was able to get out there and, and uh, train. And the more I did it, the more I was asked. And eventually uh, Safe Sports Zone was across the country. And I think I've gone to every state in the union other than four. <laughs> I don't know how that could be uh, possible, but we'll have to get you down here. We're going to do this again at the end, but for our listeners, um, if they want to get in touch with you, uh, whether just to drop you a line or to uh, schedule you to come to the district, how do they get in touch with uh, Jay Hammes and Safe Sport? Well, my email is the business name, Safe Sport. That's a singular Safe Sport Zone uh, at gmail.com. And uh, you can always call me too, 262 989 I don't know if you remember, uh, Jake, we're sending out free posters. You know, Absolutely. We got our, our our sponsor pays for all these the shipping and printing of all these posters and if anybody wants posters, um, please don't hesitate to ask. I'll send them out free. I think uh, you know when you think about the the code of conduct uh, issue today, the the behavior uh, we believed in always having a, a a document upon entering any game, and uh, that document would be a kind of a spectator code of conduct. And uh, we believe that even though you make your sportsmanship announcements, you still should have some type of a document entering, explaining your expectations to attend games. So if somebody then obviously didn't follow the rules and they were asked to leave, uh, you had a document, uh, you prevent legal challenges uh, by having this. So any of this stuff you do today, staying off the plane surface at all times are very important. And to, to our listeners, um, you know, those posters are free. You email Jay and he'll send them to you. We have them posted in our gymnasium lobby. Uh, we build on that with our public address announcer. So uh, they are great. So uh, I encourage you to do that. Uh, Jay, earlier on, you mentioned uh, the idea of mentors. And in our business, you know, we always talk about the importance of leadership. So I'm curious, um, who are some of your mentors uh, as you've grown in this profession, and even before, uh, maybe teachers or coaches you had growing up or people that you've worked with or worked for. Uh, the expression I like to use is, I still hear those voices in my head. So uh, whose voice do you still hear? Well, you're absolutely right, Jake. Uh, you know, first of all, the, the, the Athletic Directors Association, the NIAAA, I, I mean, I don't think there's a better organization in the country than dealing with and working with athletic directors. I mean, if you want a job done, you call on an athletic director and it'll get done. 
um, the people that normal most of the athletic directors were former coaches. So this is just uh, you know growing up in that large family. Uh, uh, I, I didn't apply myself in the classroom, unfortunately. And all I cared about was football, basketball, baseball, and a glove in my hand and a bat in a hand. And uh, it wasn't until I got to college when I was identified in my writing skills um, that I had to start picking it up. And there was a professor there. Her name was Professor Pennyfeather. She was a a 60 some year old gal who wouldn't let me slip through like high school uh, teachers did. And uh, I was tutored every week. And I'll tell you what, I, as a mentor, when I think back, uh, and she liked football, she enjoyed that game. So the football coaches, you know, would assign uh, especially freshman players in her class intentionally. And uh, so I, I, that, that was a big move for me because um, you know, eventually now I'm writing articles and things of that nature, but back then I had to catch up. I think of the high school and college coaches that I had, I still stay in touch with two of them. Um, most of them have passed away. And uh, when I think of going back to that time frame, if I didn't have those coaches in my life, I don't know if I'd have made it in the, in the educational school industry, but they, can't, they were instrumental in changing my life. And and now after getting out, I think of Bruce Whitehead. Bruce Whitehead, past former uh, executive director of the NIAAA. You know, when I was going through the uh, process of getting out and teaching training, working with the NIAAA, uh, I was always able to call him and bounce things off him. And he was always giving me the greatest advice. I mean, it's, it's, it was a father figure. And I just thought people like that meant the world to me. Well, uh, again, it's always interesting to hear about the people that have had an impact uh, on our lives. Uh, great reminder that we don't do this by ourselves. Yeah. Um, earlier on, you mentioned COVID. And uh, I think you might be in a better position than just about anyone to maybe comment on uh, the severity of the, the impact it's had across the country uh, because you've been in so many different states as a presenter and also because of the uh, educational materials that you put together. So you've got some states that responded by shutting everything down. Uh, you know, California, you know, as we record this uh, today, you know, they still don't have high school sports. Uh, other states have gone, you know, all in business as usual. And some states have, have gone in between. You know, here in Florida, you know, we delayed for a month and then started up fall sports, but still within our state, we had different responses. Some schools uh, delaying even months and months after that. So um, I, I guess my question is this, okay, from your perspective, what are some of the best practices uh, that we might apply nationally, um, understanding that it's still up to each state and each school district to kind of do their what's best for their kids. That, that question uh, <laughs> handcuff you too much? No, I, I read you very clear. And uh, let me just start by saying back in uh, April, uh, I just, the, my last training was in uh, Arkansas. Doug Kilgore brought me down there and I left on March 11th out of Milwaukee, 
flew to St. Louis, then took a plane from St. Louis to Little Rock and drove over to Hot Springs to do the training. Both flights, Jake, were packed. I mean, there wasn't a seat on the plane. So I get, I do the training, I did some LTCs and so forth. I came back on March 13th, the flight from Little Rock to St. Louis, there were 10 people on it. <laughs> from St. Louis to Milwaukee, there were 11. I mean, there was nobody on the plane. I get to General Mitchell Field and it was like a ghost town. It's really eerie. And uh, everybody started closing down. And so about April, I was asked to do an article uh, through a national magazine. And I was doing the revisions on 6.30 and I was just overloaded. And so I called my good friend, Gary Stevens. Gary's in the state of Maine. Oh, yeah. I said, Gary, would you help me write an article? I'm just, uh, I just need some help. And because I called them on that, we ended up doing a national task force on COVID. And I learned more about, because I was being co-hosting this, pro this program, I learned more about COVID because I was responsible for this task force. And to be honest with you today, even though I played college football and I wasn't, <laughs> it was, I was way too small to play division one football and had a terrible injury at Illinois State University on the first game of AstroTurf. Uh, neck surgery, two discs out, donor plug put in, and a titanium plate slapped it all down. And then I had a, two back surgeries, one disc. That was a career-ending injury on, on AstroTurf. But even though as much as I enjoy football, today, I just don't, I can't see it. I just can't see. I can see NBA basketball. I can see basketball in a dome, you know, but I don't see football because it's, it's, you can't social distance. The density and the distance, it's like wrestling. I, I just, I don't understand. So as much as I enjoy football, uh, I don't even know if the NFL will be able to uh, finish the season. And I don't understand why we will have people put fans in the stands. I, you know, I understand college football and the financial issues, but uh, you're just asking for it. Look what happened the other night with Notre Dame. Now just watch what happens after that storming of the field. And uh, you know, the, the emotions at, the, at these games, and, and of course you add alcohol to that scenario and people are not just gonna follow the protocols. And then we have to continue watching these numbers go up. Uh, you know, this is getting to be serious stuff now because if we don't start flattening that curve, uh, who are, he knows where we're going to be and we all want to get back to work we want this provide we want to provide these wonderful activities for these kids I mean when they're out there playing there's nothing better to see this but uh, to have fans I mean there's so many programs Huddle's got one Huddle Focus uh, Muscow's got one Muscle Vision these video streaming uh, systems that you can rent and there's ways to get around to get these in if you don't have a broadcasting uh, student-driven program in your school to do this. There are there other ways, but to be able to have this available for everybody, and you can get sponsors for that. I mean, we're working on right now a sponsorship program in our community uh, at Hammonds Field, which is named after my father. And I'll tell you, there's money out there. There's money in banks, insurance companies, healthcare, and car dealerships. That's where the money lies. And you can get that video streaming sponsored by, you know, so-and-so's car dealership uh, and provide this free for your entire community. So you can go and watch the games. And it's, it's so cool when you get into this, it's, you don't miss any action. 
It's like watching it on TV. There's no broadcasting, you know, you just watch it. But I think that there's ways to get around this terrible disease. You know, this disease bothers me, Jake, in the sense that not only could you get sick, 80% of the people get sick and they get better and they recover, but 20% have some lifelong complications, heart inflammation, lung uh, damage, uh, scar tissue, strokes. And now today, those that have recovered from this terrible disease are now experiencing memory loss and hair loss and and unusual rashes. So we don't know, CDC says, we don't know if you have been exposed to this virus, what it'll be like, you know, what you will be like in 10 years from now, we don't know. So whatever you do, I'm just saying, we're so close to getting this vaccination, take every precaution and stay away from these, this virus. I think one of the things we're missing is we're not washing our hands enough. Um, it's muscle, muscle memory, and uh, I, I've known so many people in the country and being involved in this task force, this COVID task force, pandemic task force, I have reached out, and I must have received 50, 50, 60 emails from people across the country telling me stories, and I always remember this one. This guy was a former AD, 74 years old. He would did everything. His wife did everything. She'd wash all the groceries off, wipe down everything. He, every time they went out, they had a mask on, uh, washing their hands and everything. Then he one day, well, he ended up getting it. And I asked him, you know, I interviewed him after hearing the story. And he said, Jay, I went to the grocery store. I came back. I did not have my gloves on when he went to the grocery store. See, he was touching, you know, items that, and he got back, delivered all the groceries, uh, took the dog for a walk. And while he was walking now back home in an area that was pretty desert, pretty the rural area, he took his mask off and he remembers his nose itched. And he put his hand without washing his hand, he put his hand up to that nose. Two days later, he didn't feel well. Five days he was in the hospital under a ventilator and he survived. But, you know, I just think washing your hand, you know, when that gunshots were whizzing past my ear, do you think I was thinking about my action plans? No. But I was thinking, that was the last thing. See, when things get hot, fight breaks out or weapon discharges in your life, it, plans evaporate and instincts take over. And instincts come from muscle memory and muscle memory comes from practice, practice, practice. And some of the plans that we provide at our after-school events, they're way too comprehensive. You gotta keep things simple, like a fire drill. That was a good, that was a good, we practice that all the time. So when you think of, when I go to COVID, every time I get off, was it flying? Every time I got off an airplane, I'd head to the restroom. Even if I didn't have to go to the bathroom, wash my hands, wash my hands every time got into that muscle memory. So now today, every time I come from the outside in, I wash my hands. It's just automatic. And I think washing your hands is one area that, and if you can't wash, use a hand sanitizer, but I think we can focus in. I know the training I'm doing with COVID right now, that's a big player. All the sanitation, the disinfecting. Remember, sanitation can reduce 60% of the virus, but a disinfectant wipes it out. So sanitize during the day at your school, disinfect at night is the name of the game. 
but uh, there's a lot to learn. I just think that sometimes this this face mask debate, my goodness sakes, um, you know, it, very important to wear a mask. I mean, there's no question about it. I, we've got a little clip on our training program where the identifies you can actually see how devastating it can be and social distancing and again coaches if the hardest thing today for a school administrator to deal with covid is to get people to do something different i mean getting people to do something different is the challenge and that comes from communication you remember you know jeff sits oh yeah yeah jeff is in wisconsin and he was telling me that he said, Jay, I did all the communications. I mean, parent player meetings, everything was on our website. I, I, I thought I overdid the communication. And then we had our first soccer game and uh, we won the game, girls soccer. And a mother took nine of the girls off to the side and took a photo of a photo op. <laughs> then she put it on Facebook and none of the girls had a mask on. Well, that hit the Facebook scene and all of a sudden, well, who's the athletic director? <laughs> you know, how can they? I mean, this is, this is, uh, and Jeff, you know, Jeff, if he told me he'd communicate, he, he did an outstanding job. So some of this stuff is out of your control, but I'm telling you, it's, uh, it's not easy. And I, I feel bad for all the athletic administrators who are in the buildings today running their programs. Well, again, uh, I really appreciate you sharing that. That's one of the reasons we do this podcast is trying to share best practices and, uh, uh, again, for you ADs that are listening, uh, we're going to give it out again before we sign off. But you need to get in touch with Jay and uh, and uh, get a hold of his materials for your school. Um, Jay, wow, this time has just flown by, uh, but we're not quite done. Uh, we always like to wrap up with what I call the new athletic director's toolbox. You certainly spent some time uh, in high school gyms and high school campuses, but uh, right now I'm going to task you with sending out a brand new athletic director on their very first job, but I'm only going to let you put three things in their toolbox. What three items are going to go in Jay Hammes' athletic director toolbox? Well, good question. I studied this question and I, I thought about, you gotta stay current. I mean, current is really, really important. Um, the students today are uh, totally different than when I first started in 1972 teaching. And uh, I don't think my pay was $7,200 a year. So I go back and-, and I'm not that far removed from those days. Yeah. So uh, I remember too. <laughs> you know, planning doesn't cost anything. Just remember that planning doesn't cost anything. I think uh, as a new athletic director today, you know, safety's got to be high on the priority list. Um, I just want to tell you, and I'm not trying to sell anything here, but we have we came out with a, a an after school safety uh, security audit, and basically this is an assessment of your facilities and your policies for event security. And in here, all you would need, which is kind of what I like about it, is you'd need a clipboard in your team. You don't do a security audit and assessment of your facilities without a team. You know, an athletic trainer, a coach, their directing principal maybe, uh, law enforcement would be handy. Uh, any, anybody besides just one person, you need a team. And you just take this audit and you go through it step by step. It's very easy to understand it's more of a checklist 
and 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 then more of a you got some information on the back to add to it but now you got a document that you did a risk assessment basically through a security audit of your facilities and policies then you need to draft up plans and once you get these plans done now this is one of ours and i like to code it color coded everything and anything that could happen a hazard at your event is on here other than your contact information the first responders numbers that's not on there i mean you know your public information director's phone number it's not on you'd have to add but i think by preparing 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 before in contest management LTC 630 course, in the textbooks, we got a checklist, a month by month AD checklist. I think that's a valuable piece. I used to train athletic directors in Racine, being the district AD, and I'd ask them for logging in their month to month checklist that they performed. August is going to be different than January, obviously. And I think that getting that information, getting organized, and prepared, I think is a, is a huge one. I think the other thing we're missing, uh, Jake, is we need to we need to be we have to have better relationships with school board members and understanding if you've got a policy, let's say it's a bag policy, you're not going to allow bags bigger than larger than, or you know you're going to have a tote bag clear tote bag policy to enter your games. That there's steps to get that done. And a lot of athletic administrators that over the years have asked me, well, how do you get this done? Well, number one, you need to have maybe an athletic board at your school. You handpicked people that parents or whatever, staff members, you make it an odd number, including yourself, so you could vote on something. And then from a committee, I would take that to the district emergency response team. Every school district has one. Normally, even a superintendent or assistant superintendent is on that district response team, emergency response team and get them to approve, get them to approve this bag policy. They might tweet it, they might say, no, we should do that, fine. Whatever you come up with, now you got two committees that you're gonna take this policy to the school board, the board of education. And I think building a relationship with school board members, I did it all the time. We used to have at least one year would be a football game, the next year would be a basketball game where you got a pretty good, decent crowd and have a school board night. And we would even get them out there shooting baskets, you know, and, and playing a game at halftime, you know, with just easy, 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 uh, an easy game for them to do that and then introduce them. And uh, by doing that over the years, you know, you build a relationship. And so when it comes time for, you know, you need something, whether it's a physical or human, you need additional labor, whatever it might be. You're more apt to get that if you have a relationship with your school board members. All right, the third one, <laughs> I don't communication. There is nothing better than communicating, and and it's repeating, repeating, and uh, you know, as as Jeff sits, that was a perfect example of he did all the communication, and yet that still happened, unfortunately. But I think you just have to understand communication is a big, big piece of your job. That's truly some really great advice uh, for any AD, new or, or current. Uh, Jay Hammes, thank you so much for uh, being with us today. And again, um, how can our listeners get in touch with uh, you? Uh, give that email uh, one more time. Safe, S-A-F-E, 
sport, S-P-O-R-T, zone, Z-O-N-E, at gmail.com. That's safe sport zone at gmail.com. You can always reach me, 262-989-7711. We're on Twitter. Uh, listen, we sure, any, whatever you need today, you should contact me and I'll send it out. I'll send you a pack of information for event security, uh, materials that you could use. Uh, I'll send you things over online, uh, PA announcers, food operation guides for the concession stand. We have it all. It's just need, all you need is for you to ask and I send it out free. Yeah, great information and it's free. You can't beat that deal, athletic directors. Uh, Jay, uh, looking forward to uh, seeing you uh, when you come down to Florida. Looking forward to it. Thanks, okay. Jake. Thank you for having me on this, your program. Oh, yeah. You be safe, my friend, uh, as you uh, travel around the country. To our listeners, thanks as always for tuning in. Uh, remember, these interviews are also being uploaded to the FIAAA Educational Athletic Director YouTube channel. So uh, thanks again for listening. Have a great day. Thank you.